today we'd like to talk about the leadership secrets of Esther. The leadership secrets of Esther. Leadership is a very important conversation to have among Christians. We are called to be examples to our world. Christ is the ultimate leader and as ambassadors or representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are expected to model his attributes and values or principles on a daily basis. But what makes this conversation even more important today is that the world is literally crying out for authentic leaders. Somebody say the world is crying. The world is in tears, crying out for authentic leaders first in the home, which is the primary unit of society, leaders in school, leaders at work, leaders in church, leaders in our communities, and leaders all over the world the world is literally begging crying for authentic leadership our nation Ghana is calling out for individuals who will dare to be different and stand up to be counted as authentic leaders here in the new wine temple there is a quest for a different kind of leader. Not in terms of title, but in our response to the challenges that confront us as individuals and members of this church. Especially as we take advantage of a very unique moment in the history of our church, fulfilling the mandate to raise leaders shape vision and influence society through Christ. That is what makes these PCH conversations and hangouts principally important. And we've been privileged to have Professor Stephen Adair and before him, Pastor Celia Apeje Collins use leaders like Joseph and David and others that they identified both in the Bible and in contemporary times to challenge us with models that we could look at. Today, I am very honored to take us on a journey through the life of an outstanding woman in the scriptures whose story should really inspire you. So I'll walk you through 10 timeless leadership principles derived purely from the story of Esther in the Bible. And the first one is that true leaders are resilient. Resilient. The story of Esther 
reminds us that leaders often emerge in moments of crisis moments of difficulty leaders stand up and stand out very often in harsh unfamiliar unwelcoming hostile environments Esther is a reminder of the challenge of Christian leadership comportment for those who are biblical scholars you will be very interested in the fact that in the book of Esther and in another book called the song of Solomon the name of God is never mentioned from the beginning to the end somebody said ah I said it the name of God is not mentioned and yet the handiwork of God is seen from chapter 1 verse 1 till the end of the book of Esther what does it mean it means that the name of God may not be written on the banner the billboard or the mission statement of your company but as long as you are there your authentic Christian leadership can put the stamp of God and the handiwork of God on your company from the beginning to the end you are God's billboard you are God's banner so interestingly once again the book of Esther along with the book of Daniel are unique because from the beginning to the end the story or the narrative is captured outside the promised land in exile from the beginning to the end those of us who like football they say it's an away match from beginning to end some have even gone on to question so then what exactly is Esther doing in the Bible there are several reasons but I would look out for for my purposes especially today for the leadership lessons that the book of Esther provides especially about how to comport yourself in a hostile unfriendly uncertain challenging terrain what do you do when you are assigned to a new and unfamiliar role what do you do when you are the only one doing what is right and no one is even attempting to try to do half of what you are doing how do you survive in a hostile workplace what do you do when you are totally outnumbered out resourced and when somebody in the majority wants to destroy you what do you do how does today's Christian exercise your leadership mandate your Christian faith and your values in a world that does not want to know our God 
how do you cause your light to shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven as captured in matthew chapter 5 verse 16 borrowing the words of our lord jesus christ how how do you let that light shine when the darkness is so deep several years ago a gospel musician sang a song she said if we are the light why is the world so dark talking about lights let's go on to philippians chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 that underscores the need to shine the light tell somebody shine the light tell the person very boldly tell the person shine the light even if it's a candle shine it if it's a mega thousand watts light shine it if it's an osono shine it whatever you have shine it philippians 2 14 says do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of god without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in this world congratulate the person next to you tell the person you are shining you see the just shall live by faith even if the person is not doing as well as they would like you just congratulate the person and tell them you are shining for those listening online put your hand on your chest and say i am shining say it three times i am shining i am shining i am shining sometimes when you tell yourself over and over that you are shining when it is 4 a.m and you feel like sleeping some more the fact that you say you are shining will make you hold your eye and open it and shine somebody shout i am shining in a crooked and a perverse generation you and i say we are shining we are shining our lives must count for something yes things are hard things are tough things are rough but we must shine we must leave a deposit of our lives in this world so in the midst of a tough crazy hostile unfriendly unwilling what else world we must shine as lights ambassadors of christ and that my friends is the priceless foundation of the life of esther from beginning to end she was not even in her hometown a slave in a strange land is our model for today and it's a reminder that leaders are resilient number two true leaders turn their lemons into lemonade 
it's interesting that many stories of leaders that you read start with a significantly disadvantaged background and that is often their best qualification leaders often emerge from disadvantaged beginnings so the entire story of esther is premised on being in exile slavery and if that was not enough the story opens with the fact that she was an orphan she had lost both parents father and mother and was living with an older cousin who had adopted her as his own daughter why is that important esther would look like in your scheme of things a significantly insignificant person you say hey pastor which one is that one you are insignificant but even in your insignificance you are significantly insignificant there is nothing that you can boast about in the geopolitics of her time first she's a slave then she's an orphan and if i may add in the cultural scheme of things she's also a woman that was what you may want to call the baggage that esther was carrying but that's also what makes a story ideal because guess what it's the story of many of us like david many bible scholars suggest that david was born out of wedlock and he seemed to be the only child of jesse hustling in the wilderness while the cosmopolitan well-educated brothers were either in the army or being groomed in the home in our in our current context in international english speaking schools with international curriculum while david was apprenticing at the backside of the desert so many of us have been called by god to be leaders to solve the major problems of our time to leave footprints in the sands of time and ultimately honor christ with our story and our testimony but when we look at our lives and our current reality it's an obvious contradiction of what god is saying the job no cry you don't even have some for you to talk about being a major player in the corporate landscape you are dreaming but your reality is fighting the dream for many of us our families are dysfunctional we are broke our education is inadequate we think we are not handsome or beautiful some parts of our body are out of alignment how do you become great when the deficit is so great am i speaking to somebody sometimes when people who matter gather and you are around them you almost apologize for being around them because you think you have nothing to offer everyone else around you you think is better than you how my friends 
do you surmount all these seeming disadvantages and make your imprint and shine as a light I have good news for you as a student of the Bible Gideon started life with significant disadvantages when God called him he said ah, did you say me but do you, do you know me listen my father's house is the least even in my father's house to me I am the least Saul said the same thing Gideon that is what Gideon said Jeremiah said oh God let's be serious me so if you look at Gideon look at Saul look at Jeremiah look at David we see a trend where God deliberately looks for the most unlikely candidates to use to do big things and guess what there is actually a scripture that backs it let me speak to people who have big disadvantages because tonight is about you big disadvantages in first corinthians 1 27 to 29 the bible says emphatically not my words but the words of the lord speaking through apostle paul it says but but means con on the contrary god has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of this world and the things which are despised god has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are and the ultimate reason why god has done that is so that no flesh will glory in his presence somebody celebrate the lord there were diplomats available there were orators available there were rich people available there were well-educated people available there were mighty people available and god does not despise these people there is a place for them but the beautiful thing about god is that there is also a place for that dysfunctional person that nobody respects and the bible says god deliberately chooses people that when human beings see them they say and now we all coin so that no flesh will glory in his presence can i make an announcement esther is a reminder that god can choose somebody with deficit and bring them from liability into assets so that when you look at it you say this one dear it couldn't have been the work of man it can only be god may that be your story i say may that be your story may that be your testimony when you look at your life and say nobody from my family nobody from my village has done this before that you understand that no flesh can glory in his presence you won't say oh you know what 
I was very, very good. I was born great. I had so many assets, and then I maneuvered my way. One, two, one, two. You know how human beings you can say one, two, one, two. Tell you, it's not one, two, one, two. It's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. God had to intervene, but for God, you would have nothing to say if you are like that here. Thank God that you too you can be counted with all your deficits. That God can overrule. If it was man marking the scheme, your 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 exam paper. Eh? It will not even be added to be marked. You know, when I was in school, they used to do exams and then put history final year students with economics second year students so that next to them, so that you can't cheat. And I recall when I was in second year economics, there was this guy writing final year history next to me. And the guy was not answering the question. They put the question down. He looked at the question and then he said, I see. I was writing my thing very, very seriously. I look at the guy and say, ah, what's he write? Then he attempted the first question. Then he stopped. I think the thing wasn't going well. Then the lecturer said, one hour gone. They said, I say, hey, this is going to be very serious today. Then it was a three-hour paper. Then the lecturer said, two hours gone, one hour more. He said, oh, sir, you're disturbing us. Then the lecturer came and wrote, minus 10. And I look at the lecture and say, ah, the invigilator said, didn't you see the answer sheet? There is nothing on it. So if it is zero and right minus 10, what will you, what will he get? Charlie, some of us here, we are at zero and they are written minus 10. But I came with an announcement for somebody that in spite of your deficits, your family name may not be nice. You may not even be handsome or beautiful. You may be broke, dysfunctional. Your education may not be enough. But like Esther, in the midst of exile, orphaned and broke, God is able to take your story and do something beautiful, something powerful, something awesome. With your life if there is somebody here and you are confronted by de deficits put your hands together and say i am shining ah we will shine some i said we will shine some true leaders take what the world has given to them and turn it into lemonade number three true leaders use mentoring as a springboard to uncommon achievement it's a very competitive world that we live in and so very often for the job you are trying to you are trying to take whatever you are trying to do there are several equally qualified competent people bidding for the same job chasing the same opportunity but one of the differentiators that many leaders have discovered is the power of mentoring and the story of esther is also the story of mordecai the two of them exhibit the complementary nature of the mentor mentee relationship in the end both of them are better off but in the end too their destinies were interconnected much has been written about mentoring 
And I've written about it in my uh, book, Mentoring for Success. But for tonight's purposes, let me call mentoring a developmental relationship in which a person identifies a more experienced, more knowledgeable, a more accomplished person and uses them as a guide on their journey. It is often informal in nature. You don't sign a contract and say, you are my mentor, I'm your mentee. So it's an informal, personal, developmental relationship in which a person identifies somebody who is more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more accomplished than you and allows that person to guide you on your upward journey. There are varying degrees and it's also another subject of debate. From the role model who you have never met but who you just watch from afar and learn to the mentor who is very close to you and guides you with an acute understanding of who you are. In between these two extremes, people have discovered a model that works in cosmopolitan, busy Accra, especially also when that mentor may be in a different geographical jurisdiction where technology becomes an enabler in a relationship. And I can tell you that there are people who do not come to New Wine who listen to me more than members of this church who can quote what I've preached in church to me on a weekly basis and can send you an email or online request for an explanation of something you said when those who are sitting here on a daily basis may not even have heard it but that's not the subject of today's conversation so what we are saying is that Esther and Mordecai typify a relationship that is a connection for advancement. But it's not a new concept. Elijah mentored Elisha. Naomi mentored Ruth. Samuel mentored Saul and later mentored David who also mentored Solomon. When properly discerned and appropriated, a mentor can be a huge springboard in your journey. From the story of Esther and from my own experience, first as a mentee and in the course of time as a mentor, I can say that one lesson from a mentor can save you 10, 20 years of pain. Because very often, from the place of their own disappointment, pain, and hard cost, experience gained the hard way, they can tell you that these two doors, eh, don't open this one. You open this one and it works. Simple. No struggle, no argument. If the journey is tough and competitive, then you need somebody who knows the ropes to point you sometimes to what to do and what not to do. 
Esther was fortunate to have a sold out mentor. Mordecai's own is at another level. In Esther 2, verse 10 and 11, a very simple matter that Esther would have normally made a mistake. In a strange land with strange laws and strange battles, Esther would have easily said, Oh, I am a Jew. And that would have been end of conversation. Mordecai says, hold on. It's not the right time. Don't say it. In Esther 2 verse 10 and 11, Bible says, Esther had not revealed her people or family. For Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And I think that was not enough. Bible says, every day, Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters. If it was today, they'll write girls' dormitory. Mordecai is pacing up and down near the girls' dormitory to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. This is serious mentioning. She will go every day and walk around the girls' dorm and check, is my, is my cousin doing well? I say, hey. So, the story of Esther is the story also of Mordecai and while Mordecai's commitment is very inspiring let me add that in my presentation today my focus is not on how hard Mordecai worked it's on how seriously Esther took the counsel and the guidance of Mordecai if you are fortunate to find a mentor who acts as a leadership figure in your life, please don't take it for granted. Especially as you rise. The challenge sometimes is that small promotion you get, now you can't handle yourself anymore. For some of us, we have not passed the level of level the handling of our level three promotion so god has a level eight nine and ten for us but even the three that we have seen we can't be handled the beauty about understanding mentoring is that it saves you from expensive mistakes also saves you helps to spot opportunities that others have not even seen the person says trust me i know this weather pattern i know this business cycle by next year june there will be demand for this thing so start preparing it now experience if you don't know you don't know number four true leaders embrace ruthless preparation Preparation is the secret weapon of all authentic leaders. How many are in fashion here? This is, this is not church. This is PCH, so I can take some liberties. All fashion designers, please stand up. So because of that, you will stand up. 
I said, all fashion designers, please stand up. I know you, so I used to think. All those who are into fashion, hey, what if I'm going to tell the whole world to buy from you? I said, all fashion designers, please stand up. All those into the fashion business. Okay. God bless you. All those in food, please stand up. Run restaurants, prepare food. Please clap for them. If I give you a big idea, will you be happy? Will you be happy? Okay, then come to me. Come to me. Don't feel shy. This is, this is PCH. If it was church, it would be very... Say, hey, let's talk. Let's have a conversation. It's allowed. Don't worry about anybody. So let's have a conversation. Do you have a restaurant? Or you are into food or fashion? Fashion and food. Oh. Even one is bad, then you are in both. You are into fashion. Are you styling? What you are wearing, did you sew it yourself? Awesome. Who else is fashion? So you, the rest of you are into food. What you ate today, did you do it yourself? Yeah. You ate your own food? Okay, good. So, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. You make processed drinks. You run a restaurant. You run a fashion house. So, the, the scenario I want to model about preparation, Minister um, Irajwa, is that imagine that his restaurant may be at full capacity can serve 400 people a day. Let's use a model. And he comes to PCH and to church and prays and prays and say, Lord, let's make me a thousand times more. Everybody believes that the prayer is praying and he means it. Only he knows that he doesn't mean it. She's praying, make me a thousand times more. And the model she uses to sew her dresses, the most she can sew is one exotic dress a day and therefore 30 in a month. So when she prays, make me a thousand times more and one day, God who answers prayer says, okay, 400 customers a day times thousand, you get an order and somebody says, can you deliver lunch packs? 400,000, you say, please, did I hear right? Let's be serious. Did you say 400,000? Where will I get the tomatoes from? Where will I get the fabric from? So guess what? Many of us who are praying here don't mean what we are praying for. You say, but pastor, the fabric itself, the people who sell the fabric, they don't have 400,000. I say, listen, you don't mean what you are praying about. You say, what am I supposed to do? Ask me the question. Ask me the question. What am I supposed to do? May the Lord bless you and may you live long. What am I supposed to do? So, beyond prayer, 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 tomorrow morning, tomorrow Thursday morning, what time do you normally wake up? Let's say 5 o'clock or 5.30 or 6. Wake up at 4. Still pray for 30 minutes, but after prayer, minister, take a whiteboard, your laptop, and make a calculation. So if genuinely I got an order for let's say 4,000, 10 times my capacity, what will I do? What will I do? 
if God took my prayer seriously. That's in my, my friends, Kwame, is preparation. If genuinely, instead of 30, I got 3,000 dresses, what will I do? Then you start. Raw material, I normally buy from this person. And because I buy only 30, I have only one supplier. This month, I am starting to look for nine other suppliers as backup, just in case. Just in case. Chief, if you are doing 4,000, the flour, the tomatoes, now even the staff, even the size of kitchen, so maybe you will now go to another restaurant close by and say, you know what? We are competitors and we will still be competitors. But just in case God blesses me with a big order of all the competitors close by, you are the one whose quality is like mine. So even though I don't like you, eh, please be on standby. If one day God answers my prayer, you become my friend. After all, Herod and Pontius Pilate were enemies. But when it came to Jesus, they said, you know what? Let's come together and finish him. After that, we'll continue being enemies. I'm telling you. So, the person you don't like, the competitor, you come together with them and supply the order. Then the next week, you continue the fight. If another order comes again, you see, as we did the last time, we are back. In case God answers your prayer one day, don't find yourself unprepared for the breakthrough. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. And may all of you come back next month to the testimony and say, Pastor, like joke, like joke, it happened. Put your hands together for them. Ruthless preparation. So Esther, we like to hear about the performance. They just finished the World Athletics Championships. They ran the race 9.9 something. 10 point something. 11 point something. 20 point something seconds. Meanwhile, he was saying that that is a very painful sport to watch because somebody has trained for four years and the only reason why the person can't get the medal is because they said set then when they said go they said you run 0 0.06 or 0 0.1 too fast what ruthless preparation where does that leave you and i in esther 2 12 to 14 the Bible says that each young woman, before they could go to King Ahasuerus, had to complete 12 months of preparation according to the regulations for the women. Because the days were apportioned. Six months with oil of May and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying women so take something like miss world Ghana's most beautiful and they call you for one minute to come and make your presentation after six months of preparation 
and you get there and your English teacher abandons you and after all the grooming by experts and their preparation I remember one day this person that I had seen in the rehearsal brilliant presentation decides to use Aristotle's quote Greek philosopher Aristotle said and the quote didn't come hey I will never forget sitting next to Madame Joyce Ayi and Joyce saying, Madame Joyce saying, oh no, oh no. Aristotle Kraga, why are you in the den? She said it in front of Aristotle Kraga, why are in the den? So she was standing on stage and Aristotle abandoned her. Meanwhile, in the rehearsal and the semifinals, she was the, by far the best candidate. We literally knew she had won. She was going to 40,000 pound scholarship to the UK for her masters and Aristotle I've never forgiven him until today listen this was not live television you know what we were so sure of the candidate that we say you know what relax just relax you go off stage let the others do it and then come back and you know sometimes the judges will have to help you because this is good so she went off stage you are in beauty and modeling so she went off stage and we continued the program and then just close when everyone else had come we said okay candidate whatever come back and now perform if i were you please leave aristotle alone for some strange reason because you have chewed the thing and in the original aristotle was there after letting the person go backstage and come back friends romans countrymen right before our eyes she starts again and then at that point when she mentions aristotle and aristotle abandons her she falls down and collapses this is live television now come see counselors medical personnel running listen i'm telling you a live experience on stage until today it reminds me about how life can put you on the spot and you put in so much and you have just a few seconds to defend that thesis in a few minutes to defend that proposal and it must just be right or somebody else far less qualified far less prepared the person you knew them even at the, they were even now asking you to help them and that person gets the chance and they are going and under your breath you're saying foolish person you're insulting them but on the day when it mattered and you stood on stage that greek philosopher whose name i don't even want to mention abandoned you charlie may the lord help you i say may the lord help you but the principle is very simple don't wake up and go and stand on stage whether to preach to present to do to sing and that's why i am very tough on our singers because my friends you can tell that to come and stand here and do what i'm doing here i've spent days and hours on end i take everything i do like world cup you say pastor take your test no i won't because 
Life and death depends on what I do. Somebody's life, somebody's future. So I take everything I do very seriously and I demand the same of my church. Everyone. Whether you are singing, you are, you are leading prayer, you are doing something for even five seconds. Take it very seriously. Madam, do you agree with me? Yes. Take it serious. Lives are at stake. This is the work of God. Now, the good thing about that, if you have built the ethic of taking things seriously in church, when you go to your office, eh, they see you as a superstar. I'm telling you. Because the work ethic you have built in church, you export it to the world and they're like, hey, as for you, everything of yours is, they don't know that the church is like workplace training for you. So all those who don't serve in church, I'm using this platform to encourage you. This is a very serious church and a serious place to learn how to work well. We will drill you. The MCs that you see standing on stage, they prepare their notes, we vet it, we correct it before you step on the stage. It's a very serious place here. The newsletter that we print, it is written, edited, edited again, and there are different levels. You will improve, you will grow. Give somebody a high five. Tell the person I'm shining. Tell the person I'm shining. Commit to ruthless preparation. In the night when others are sleeping, keep preparing. One day I was in Wa in the Upper West region, several years ago, on the Springboard Roadshow. And I was talking to a group of young people about career planning and preparation in a workshop, post-event workshop. And they were having a good time. They were listening to me very intently and asking questions. When they closed, one young man spoke to me and I've never forgotten what he told me till today. He said, Senior, what you are saying is very nice. And I can assure you I have a career plan. He says, as of now, eh, I've been able to work my way into local nooks. The next step is to play my cast well over the next two years. And I will become deputy minister. And I will get a four-wheel drive. I said, wow, what a career plan. Line one, local nooks. Line two, Play your cards well. Line three, deputy minister. Line four, four-wheel drive. I said, hey! You know, even though I didn't agree with him, I was very impressed. Because his mind was very clear. But for you and I that don't have the privilege of that kind of lifestyle, we must work our way systematically, patiently, and prepare ourselves for that level that God wants to take you. Last Sunday, I was speaking to one of our CEOs in church of a very prominent institution in this country. And I was telling him about tonight and he says, it's paining me that I can't be here. I said, why? He says, I'm taking another course. I know the guy has a doctorate. He says, I foresee an opening in the market in the next few years. So I'm taking another course. Charlie, this is what they call from strength to strength. 
Tell somebody, let's be serious. Systematic and patient preparation. Number five, true leaders attract uncommon favor. There's something that distinguishes them from their pack. Favor is approval, liking, support. You say something about me, wherever I go, they like me. That's fever. Daniel found favor with the king. And for some inexplicable reason, the king liked him. Joseph found favor with Potiphar. With the prison warders. Wardens. And then with Pharaoh. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with men. The spirit of leadership is the spirit of favor. Bible says when they gathered the young women and gave them to Haggai to prepare them for the competition, for some inexplicable reason, Haggai preferred Esther and gave her additional support. Esther 2, 8 and 9 says, So it was when the king's command and decree were heard, and when many young women were gathered at Shushan the citadel, under the custody of Haggai, that Esther was also taken to the king's palace, into the care of Haggai, the custodian of the woman, of the woman. Now the young woman pleased him and obtained his favor, so he readily gave her beauty preparations beside her allowance. And then seven choice maid servants were provided from the king's palace, and he moved her and her maid servants to their best place in the house of women. Then it gets to verse 15 where the competition began. And Bible says, And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. The judges, they liked her. Something about the candidate, wherever she went. But the crowning one was verse 17. It says, The king too, loved esther more than all the other women and she obtained one more time grace and what grace and what Charlie, may favor attend your way the list may be long the roll call may be long but may favor go before you and may favor attend your way and may inexplicable doors open to you because of the favor of god Bible says and therefore he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti somebody angling for an opportunity somebody going for an interview somebody entering a sponsorship space you have never been there before somebody opening a space that is unfamiliar and strong and competitive may favor go before you I said may favor go before you favor that you can't explain you can't explain it may god's favor attend somebody number six leaders have strategic sensitivity backed by uncommon wisdom 
everyone is fine and the leader says i sense a new move i sense an opening coming if you have watched animal planet national geographic there is no animal or threat a mile away and this animal's ears pop up and they start looking around one mile away strategic sensitivity makes you spot both opportunity and danger while they are very far away dogs are able to smell a thousand to ten thousand times more or better than human beings that is the only reason why when somebody from the household travels and comes back after 10 years with a beard older taller heavier bigger the dog starts wagging the tail 10 years and the dog knows the person in the same way if that thief that came to your house 10 years ago and jumped the wall when the dog was chasing them comes back as a diplomat hey they can be coming with a retinue of servants the dog will attack them because the dog remembers strategic sensitivity may the lord give it to you may the lord open your eyes to be able to tell what will happen next year the doors that will open where the money will be which sectors will be prosperous everybody's walking then you start running you look mad a year later they come and shake your hand may that be your portion leaders understand issues that look small today but have transgenerational implications for many who read the story of esther you see a wicked man called haman trying to kill esther and then kill a few jews But if you understand the history of humankind and the dealings of God, the story of Esther is part of a larger story that runs from Abraham to Christ and to the church. If Haman had destroyed all the Jews as he intended to do, Christ would not have been born and there will be no church. That is why Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. It is good that it happened because God opened your eyes and you were able to make one move and avert it hallelujah number seven true leaders discern times and seasons leaders are sometimes unpredictable there will be times when christ would heal someone and say go and tell everyone what the lord has done so you assume that he likes fans the next time he heals someone and you're about to run, he will charge you strictly and say, don't tell anyone this one. 
the direct opposite. Life has seasons and cycles. And each of them requires different behaviors. And authentic leaders know how to lie low and rise up. To abase and abound. To sow and to reap. To shout and to keep quiet. In 2 Kings 5.26 Elisha told Gehazi Charlie, where did you just come from? He said, me, I haven't gone anywhere. I've actually been here. He said, oh, did not my heart go with you when Naaman turned from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? It's a question. Is this the time? He didn't say receiving a gift was bad. He was saying this is not the time. Is it not the same Elisha who received gifts from the Shunammite woman? Somewhere to stay, somewhere to read, where to lie down, everything, all the works. But he says this is not the time. Leaders understand timing and seasons. When to receive and when to say, oh, wait there and walk You can't eat every food. You can't say yes to every invitation. Esther was able to read Haman's game. And you know, if you go against a Haman and you are naive, you would die prematurely. Because Haman was not a cheap enemy. He was a strategist. He went to the king and said, Oh, king, powerful, famous king, let me consolidate your power. Let me bring everything under your power so that you can rule over all the people. And in addition, I will give you this amount of money. The king said, Wow, perfect. Already, he has convinced the king about his plan. So when Esther is coming against such a strategic enemy, she doesn't come and then as they say, John, John, John. No, 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 you will fail. She says, can I, after standing in the doorway for the king to say, come in, and the king says, yes, Esther, tell me what you want. She doesn't start, hey, Haman, no, 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 no. She says, oh, can we have a party? Only me, you, and Haman. Sure. Haman comes to the banquet. Esther is there. The king is there. At that point, strike. Esther says, no. Can we do another party? Haman again. He says, hey. Haman says, Charlie, this time they have become a big man. Everything is... So at that time, Haman loses his astuteness. He said, the only thing that's annoying me is this Mordecai man. Apart from that, I'm fine. Look, I'm the special guest of honor at the queen's banquet. It's just Mordecai that's annoying me. Listen, at the earlier point, the chess pieces were not in place. So if Esther moves, the troops are not in place. By the time the second banquet was ready, everything was ready. How to wait for the right time and strike and get your breakthrough is a principle true leaders understand. 
may God help you I said may God help you number eight truly just communicate well and influence people it is impossible to achieve all the things that God is laying on your heart working alone it is just impossible so leadership is about influence and influence achieved through effective communication so in the crisis moment Esther 4 15 and 16 then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan just watch the lines of communication and fast for me neither eat nor drink three days night or day there is no ambiguity about what she's saying furthermore she adds my mates and I will fast likewise and so I will go to the king which is against the law and if I perish I perish friends let's start with the first principle you see which is the fact that the greatest instrument for moving people is communication as a pastor to move the church I must communicate as a leader to move people in your children's church you must communicate to move the council we must communicate to move our online audience freeman we must communicate that's the spirit never leave your team or followers in doubt about what you stand for how does that happen number one be clear or first of all be consistent not green today blue tomorrow be consistent leaders who can't make up their minds are very difficult to work with number two be clear instead of rambling on and on and on with big words to try and impress people keep it very simple three day fast night and day all Jews including myself and my maid servants using the same law simple number three be courteous the leadership model that says disrespect people is a fake model let me see it again the leadership model that says because of a small title disrespect other people is a fake leadership model be courteous talk to people with respect mention their names look them in the eye let them feel appreciated the seven reasons why people trust leaders and follow them are as follows number one character who you are number two relationships who you know number three knowledge what you know number four intuition what you feel 
you say, I sense something coming. And they like it. Number five, experience where you have been. Number six, past successes. What you have done, what you have accomplished, what you can show. And finally, number seven, when the rubber hits the road, what you can do. Not what you see, what you can do. These are the seven reasons why people abandon everything they have and follow somebody. Where do you score from one to ten on these seven matrices? Maybe it will give you a picture about why you are trying to move people and you are not getting the results. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? Number nine. True leaders are courageous and take responsibility. They decisively take action in important moments. Leaders stand up to be counted when it matters most. Some people talk when everything is fine and they are all over the place. But when brrr, the alarm rings, they freeze into inaction. In the defining moments of life, they are either clueless, unsure, tentative, afraid, or indecisive. Not Esther. Once she understood the stakes and she got clarity, she says, I will go to the king even though I know it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Don't let it be said of you that any time something has to be done, you are mentioning somebody else's name. And this person did not support me to do it. And this person did not come to work early and they had the key. And the lights went off. Somehow nothing gets done and there is always a flowery explanation. May that not be your testimony. Arise, shine, take responsibility. Esther and Mordecai show us that in moments of crisis we can be courageous and we can take responsibility. They show us that the grace of God is available but hard work to us a place. That we can dig and get water and the rain of God too will fall on it. A combination of the grace and hard work will get you there. Finally, number 10. True leaders are totally submitted to God. No matter how they rise, no matter how popular they become, no matter how they are held, true leaders remain grounded in their faith, maintaining their unwavering connection to God. Every true leader understands inner power Esther had a clear sense of where God picked her from oh queen the queen herself candidate one huh. human beings can let you feel bigger they can give you titles but you kneel down at 
done. And you say, thank you, God, that an orphan in exile, in a hostile environment, with no equity to boast about, you have found me fit. When there were people with doctorate degrees, big family names, and you have chosen to promote me. Who am I to brag? I am back again to kneel at your feet. What next? That, my friends, is the secret of going from strength to strength and from glory to glory. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but may the story of Esther inspire you. May the story of a person with significant disadvantage moving from the back to the front remind you that it is possible. And being the teacher's son that I am, let me dedicate this last minute to my mother Dora and to start from point number one and summarize. Let's go together. Point number one. True leaders are resilient and I dedicate this to, of course, all those of you online who may have joined just two minutes ago and said, what exactly is happening at PCH? I dedicate this to you. Enjoy it. So point number one, true leaders are resilient. Number two, true leaders turn lemons into lemonades. Number three, true leaders use mentoring as a springboard to uncommon achievement and accomplishment. Number four, true leaders embrace ruthless, ruthless preparation. What if God answers the prayer and tomorrow somebody asks for a container of fresh juice? I shall shine. You will shine. You will not back down. You will shine. Number five, true leaders attract uncommon favor. Long list, but somehow candidate number 37, wherever you go, favor is accompanying you. May that be your story. Number six, true leaders have strategic sensitivity and uncommon wisdom. Everybody is going left. You say right. They say, are you sure? You say right. When the thing comes, it is right. May that be your story. Number seven, true leaders discern times and seasons. Times and seasons. Number eight, true leaders communicate well and influence people. They are consistent, they are clear, and they are respectful or courteous. And on the seven-point matrix, they have character, relationships, knowledge, intuition, experience, past successes, and ability. Number nine, true leaders are courageous and take responsibility. And finally, number 10, no matter how they rise, true leaders are totally submitted to God. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord help you. May the Lord uphold you. And as you yield your life to Christ, may your story be a beautiful one in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.